Hello everyone, welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. What's up guys? I'm very excited. This is what, episode... Three. Yes, there's been so many, I just can't <laughs> keep track anymore. I mean, I guess third time's a charm, so if for, <laughs> some reason, right. if for some reason you're still listening after the first two, but you hated the first two, maybe we'll change your mind with this one. Yes, I feel like a different person. It's like those people <laughs> online were like, I got this new show you should watch on Netflix, but you have to get through like three seasons before it gets good. <laughs> so that's apparently what our show is right now. Yeah, we're like the really good third season. <laughs> Right we're like, we're, we're like, living it. We're like Buffy, the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it I, gets good, I swear. I still haven't seen that damn show. Yeah, neither have I. So Buffy fans out there, I'm not insulting you. I just, that's what people say. I'm super excited today because I am, I just discovered at my, at the local liquor store that one of my favorite beers, which is Old Rasputin, which is a Russian Imperial Stout from North Coast, is now in 16 ounce cans instead of just 12 ounce bottles. I was all Go over Go get them. To be fair, it might be Rasputin instead of Rasputin, but I just grew up calling it Rasputin, so I'm... I say Rasputin. Yeah, I do too, but I I've heard know. some other... In the, anyway, as you guys will know, we pronounce things so badly on the show, but we are very aware of that, and we want to get better. So that's a good thing. Want to, or just don't? Want to, but I don't know if we're putting in the effort, so, you know... Yeah, that sounds about right. Six of one, half dozen the other. Yeah. <laughs> So right. you're having Rasputin. I'm having Elevated from Lacumbre. What? What? Super. Oh my god! Every time. Every time <laughs> they get shout outs whenever I can. They're my boys. Lore. All right. So I am here, ready for another scary story. Be ready. So, it's coming. So are you gonna scare me, or are you gonna tell me about slapping dolls? I'm gonna scare <laughs> the hell out of you because I know for a fact that you have been scared by this before. Oh, those are strong claims. Those are those are bold claims. Yeah. It is the Paris Catacombs. Well, we've been there. <laughs> yes, we have. All right. And you were not calm. I was not calm. All right. You were not calm. Credit where credit is due. I was scared. Yes. But not for the reasons I think you might think. But we'll get into that. All right. To the catacombs. Tell me. To the catacombs. Um, To give you a little bit more perspective of the catacombs, they are... 200 miles worth of tunnels and quarries below in the depths of Paris. So the funny thing about that statistic that you just gave me is that most people from Paris or living in France right now would probably frown because we used miles <laughs> instead of the metric system. I will never not use miles. <laughs> miles makes so much sense to me. Like I'll, I'll use I'll use meters. I don't know. I don't yeah, know why. Can't I'm all pro it. metric system. I think it's smart. The fact that we're not using it is dumb. Don't get me wrong. But when you've grown up with a system, your brain just works that way and yeah. it's hard. Um, the actual catacombs themselves is just a small portion of the grand scheme of the entire tunnel system that's underneath Paris. And a section of that being the catacombs. So one is not the uh, is not the same as and the other. And these are man-made tunnels, right? Apparently a lot of the stuff kind of existed, like a bit of like caves and things going on. But the tunnels themselves, they were as uh, what do you call it? Excavated? Excavated, yeah. Excavated. Oh my god. They were excavated for limestone. Okay. So these a lot of these tunnels are man-made. Some of them are mines, some of the things. Maybe there were some caves there that they just explored and expanded upon. But a lot of that's what, what we, my, a that's lot how of what we've seen is it. definitely at least what was there beforehand, I don't know, but at the very least a lot of it now has been at least carved by man into Exactly. The, what uh, exists today and what most people experience yeah. when they go down there is man-made in a, in a in a way in one way or another if that makes sense um and like i said they were being excavated for limestone so there is a lot of areas in which that 
while they were doing this, and this would have been like, what, in the 12th century when they first started doing this, it wasn't exactly regulated, right? And so a lot of this was very unsafe. Well, you, mean, you mean OSHA not, wasn't around a thousand years ago? Oh man, there's like some OSHA guy that probably <laughs> just would transfer in the past just to like fix this. Just imagine but, the OSHA guy during the Crusades like, you can't do that with a catapult, man. It's not safe. Guys, you can't just catapult <laughs> people into like the other side of the wall. They um, might die. <laughs> if they're not already dead, they're going to die more. Citation. <laughs> Citation. <laughs> So but, you owe me land <laughs> and three man, cows. All of a sudden, like there's like OSHA kings all over the world because <laughs> they just OSHA. keep taking land. Um, no, but yeah. So this obviously was not done appropriately, and of course, there's always consequences. And in the 1700s, I would say late 1700s, there were a few, or if not very catastrophic collapses that occurred throughout the city. Well, especially because, you know, these old, these really old cities, they just build on top of each other. Over as time. Old, as old they roads are. already, yeah. I mean, when we were in Rome and they were excavating old Roman buildings and everything, they just had to dig down and they were, they, whenever they build new buildings, there's always the risk that they're going to find old buildings below it. And that happens and then the archaeologists come and pissing off the construction. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it happens here too. Whenever you see some sort of like... Um, uh, like a site in which you encounter something archaeological Absolutely. that can be significant, they have to stop by yeah. law any kind of um, further construction. That way they can be studied, removed, whatever well, needs what, to be happen. One of my anthropology professors told us, and I assume he was telling us the truth, that a lot of construction companies in the Phoenix area, mm-hmm. uh, they get specific insurance for just in, just in case they accidentally destroy no uncover oh to cover their time and and, yeah because the construction has to stop while the archaeologists come in Mm -hmm. and so they have specific insurance that covers just in case they find something i can i can understand that because like you still have people to pay i mean if their hours are suddenly cut and they're like now we're covered so maybe we can like supplement that because we've had we've had indian tribes uh throughout the entire southwest yeah like every single entire entire uh, settlements completely buried, you know, like Mugion and Pueblo that are just, they're gone. Specifically in, our re- in this region, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so just imagine that and then times 10. Because like... But it's in Paris. Well, it's Paris because like they were constantly building on top of each other and they knew about it. So yeah. it's not like, you know, oh, is there something down here? Oh, no. There is absolutely something down there. <laughs> that used to be Steve's house. <laughs> now it's my house. <laughs> now it's my basement. Yeah. So anyway, like because of that reason, the collapse and... Fun times. There were other things occurring at the time. One being the plague, poverty. Just well, this is over. like this. It was the seventeen. This is like plague part three. This is plague. Yeah, exactly. Like this mean, the, plague the, is not done. Yeah, and it's still plaguing. And it's just <laughs> plague on, my brother. Plague, plague on. on. <laughs> what the hell? That's horrifying. Oh no! Do not plague on. Please stop. Um, two thousand twenty says, please stop. <laughs> please stop. Uh, yeah. So again, plague. Poverty, and because it's just one of the biggest metropolis that was occurring or uh, developing in Europe at the time, there's just like a lot of dead bodies. It's, it's a horrifying reality, but it is a reality. A lot, a lot, a lot of dead bodies to the point where it was overflowing in the cities. It was, uh, or cemeteries, I should say, and exposing from graves that they've already tried burying multiple bodies 
in. Like they're just trying to. So like every time there was like a crazy rainfall, like bodies started exactly emerging from the earth. Yep. Yeah. Where do you put them? I mean, you could just keep going out of the city, I guess. But that gets which, in a funny way, kind of in turn, uh, caused people to get more sick because it's just very unsanitary. Absolutely. So more dead bodies, maybe. Yeah. Yes, and. And it was just like an awful scenario. Just imagine the decay that you can smell every single day. I don't know. I just, you know, I'm not trying to get too much into it, but I really want you to picture. Yeah, I'm this. drinking here. I'm drinking here. <laughs> don't ruin, don't, don't ruin my appetite. Well, I'm gonna. So put down those Cheerios because it's gonna get worse. If you have Cheerios, put them down. <laughs> um, or it's not gonna get worse really, but I guess I just needed to really hone in on that because it was a very significant time in history, obviously. Sure. And yeah, why are these dead bodies at the bottom of Paris? Well, let me tell you, for this very reason, there had to have been a solution. And yes, the mines or the tunnels were not very well mined, I guess. And so it caused a lot of issues. But King, what's his name? King Louis the Sixteenth finally decided to do something about it. And created a team in which that would explore the mines and go down there and figure out, like, is there a good way to make this a cemetery? And when I say cemetery, I think in his head he meant, can we just dump all these bodies down here? Can we pack them in there tight? Yeah. Can we just, like, shove them in there as, like, insulation, apparently? And turns out you could. And that's exactly what he did. He took about 12 years to complete this to finally regulate and to dwindle down the overflow of dead bodies that was in all the cemeteries into the catacombs. And so, you know, it kind of was like that for a while until people were upset about this solution. And uh, King Louis decided to appoint an architect and a team to go down there and properly, or as best as they could, arrange these skeletons into a fashion in which they can have people go down there and look at them or pay their respects. But it was insane because since all these skeletons were thrown in there, you will have, if you go down there, these catacombs are aligned in such a fashion that you would see on one side a wall of skulls and then another side a wall of femurs and then another side a wall of just like different bones uh, strewed about but to like align specifically in a symmetrical, in quotations, beautiful design maximum feng shui yeah i think they were trying to feng shui they want they want the the light to reflect off of the femurs just right if you just look at the skull's teeth you see the light glinting they made they made a conscious decision to make this presentable in like a mausoleum they're like yeah we want people to see this now is it because they wanted people to see it now there was a designer that was specifically like in charge kind of if you i don't i didn't write his name down because i couldn't even I couldn't even begin to say how it was, and I couldn't find someone to tell me how to say it. Either way, this guy was like, just arrange these skulls in a beautiful way. And, you know, you and I have been down there because you and I have been to the catacombs, and it is very disturbing the way they manipulated these bones to look, quote-unquote, presentable. And not like bones. Right. But, I mean, the thing is, were there a lot of people who were like, Hey, I hear you're stuffing millions of people in the catacombs below our homes. Can I see it? Like, I don't think it was more, can I see it? Maybe it was. Maybe there's like a lot of morbid curiosity. But like, I think the ultimate thing is that there was no way for these families, especially if there were multiple generations that have been there for a very long time to mourn their family members. And I think this was like their only f- solution 
in order for them to be able to be like, I don't know where you are, but I know you're down here and I would like to visit this site. And I guess it's easier to look at a wall of skulls and not know what skull it is, but just to look at a wall with prayers and or it's like remorse. a commemorance as well, too. It's just kind of like all these people died for Absolutely. a very awful reason, I can only assume, either if not natural causes or just something that they couldn't that was out of their control. But can you imagine if in like 2,000 years they find the remnants of this catacomb and they see all these bones and people are like, what? You mean like way past our extinction? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Like some alien thing, alien species saw us. They're like, what the fuck is happening here? They're like, wow, these people are gruesome. They just pile their dead bodies we up. We say that about our, ourselves now. That's true. When we find things, we're like, what were you thinking? And then we probably do something crazier anyway. So it's just perspective, true. you know? It's just how it be, I guess. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to point that stuff out because it was very important to maybe perhaps for you to understand the situation in which the soy is. I will embark on you next. We need to hear it. Yeah. Because most of us probably only know the catacombs from the movie As Above, So Below. And if you don't know it from that movie, go watch that movie. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that movie. seriously go watch that it, movie. It re- I think they really embodied uh, the experience, especially from a lot of YouTube videos that I was watching. For my entertainment, I don't know if they were actually and, providing any information. And I would argue everything you see in that movie probably wasn't filmed in the catacombs, but... Boom! It was. Oh, wow. I found out. I was going to yeah. say, it had to have been filmed in the more tunnely regions because you don't really see many bones in that movie. It, most, so, of the, most of the areas are pretty empty. Parts? Well, you know how like there were some parts of bones and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it real? <laughs> that's awesome. That's what I. That's what I uh, saw. Maybe not like every scene, but a lot of the scenes that you saw things around, like the graffiti and just like the nasty water that was. So we're not talking movie magic anymore. We're talking movie reality. Yeah. So those are some brave actors. So I how got many, paid well. How many real bodies do you have to have in your movie before you can call it a documentary? Mm, apparently, six million is not enough. <laughs> apparently, it's not. Uh, uh, the first sign, which I didn't know when you enter the catacombs. It says, stop. This is the Empire of the Dead. So creepy. I know. If I had known, I'd be like, no, you stop. (laughs) I'm out of here. We were admittedly not like super intimidated at first because we had just waited hours out in the sun in a line to get down to the catacombs. So I think we were just like, oh, finally we're inside. So I think like the stop, there's like a dead civilization down here whatnot didn't hit us as hard as it should have. Yeah. Well, it was in French, so I didn't even notice. That's true. But everything there had, like, subtitles, like little little plaques blown with stuff in different languages. Um, very rarely, from what I recall. I don't remember a lot of I some stuff, some stuff in English. I think there's some stuff in German, too. I could be wrong. I remember the exit sign. And yeah. it said exit. That's all I remember. <laughs> the universal exit. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember reading, being able to read anything else. Uh, but anyway... In addition to that, it is also the catacombs themselves or the tunnels all throughout Paris have countless and countless of entries into them. So it's very difficult for anyone to regulate that for the city to prevent people from going down there illegally. So what way that you and I did it was exactly how they would prefer people did it. Uh, Let's see. So yeah, like again, since there are infinite entries apparently into the tunnels there are a group of people or many many people in paris that love going down there and exploring 
and finding new areas and mapping them out and are just kind of obsessed with the tunnels themselves and they call themselves cataphiles. Uh, unfortunately, because of this, there's also been a lot of people who've gotten lost. Hmm. And I would say if you're a real cataphile that you wouldn't likely get as lost or if not... Um, You'll know it pretty well. Well, yeah, because I think the idea is that you go in a little bit, you come back, explore, you go further, you map it out. So it's more of an uh, of a mentality of just exploration the way like a lot of people who go spelunking sure. or whatever. You know, Cavers. they're a little more... Uh, self-aware of the situation and are more careful versus where people who go and get lost yeah they think it's cool they go down there and it is incredibly windy it's very difficult to see just in general i mean like yeah you have flashlights and everything but you don't have that same um kind of perspective i think obviously if you're outside you can't be like where is the sun and with also that said um over time there's been places that were blocked off so there was this one YouTube video that I was watching and they were being obviously down there illegally. They weren't in the catacombs and they were being tour or uh, sorry, they had a guide, a cataphile. And as they were walking by, they're like, you see this and you see like a metal sheet above. They're like, that used to be an exit point, but it's not anymore because the city blocked them off to discourage people to going down there. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of like a two way of looking at it, I suppose, especially on which end you're at. If you're the city, you're like, don't go down there. We're blocking these areas, but if you're go- if you're down there and you're like that was the area I was going to exit from, now I can't. So now you have to figure it out, or find another way, or go back. Wonder if people just accidentally find new entry points, like in their basement, and like. It really wouldn't be far off. I don't think so. I think it's very possible. I mean, it had to be a really far down. Like if you have to have like a really, like Deep literally basement. the next the next yeah. level like of your house. No, probably not. But if it's like a really deep down cellar that is old, I mean, I it, would it's a very good chance it connects. I'd absolutely hate to like go into my basement to do laundry and then this wall just like collapses out and I find out that it was an entrance to the catacombs and be like, I need to move now. I can't I live think here. anywhere you are though, those tunnels are so vast, like there's probably dead bodies all over the place. So really, it's already there. <laughs> if that's Sweet. any comfort to you. Sweet. <laughs> you're already living above a grave. Um, so yeah, and like I said, they're, the tunnels themselves are very difficult to maneuver. There's so many, there's passageways usually that you have to go through in order to exit and they're, they're very small in diameter. Yeah. I saw those firsthand. No, 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 no. I mean like you have to crawl through. Aww. Yeah. We did not crawl through anything. Yeah. So it gets worse. Oh my God. It gets infinitely worse. Be still my claustrophobia. (laughs) Okay, don't start hyperventilating on me yet, because there is much, much more. You're obviously way below in in the ground. You're about 30 meters down. So again, if you feel like you need to get the hell out of there, like ASAP, because you're having anxiety or anything like that, you can't just leave. And and you guys can't tell because you're just listening, but she's looking right at me while she says (laughs) all of these things. Just because that was a hell of an experience. And you know, the thing is, I actually did find most of it so going down i was a little nervous because i mean these stairwells were so narrow and shallow and steep step that even a slinky would be like fuck this um on on the way down i could handle it but while we were there and as my feet uh, as my shoes got really slippery in the wet and i 
it dawned on me how many dead bodies there are. I mean, you can hear six million, but when you start just seeing countless endless skeletons piled on top of each other, I was slowly getting very, very, very depressed and anxious. And it wasn't until, and it wasn't until I realized I don't know where the exit is. I don't know how long I'm going to be down here. And then when I made it to the exit and the stairwell was even steeper, it felt like, or it could have been. It was actually very steep. It was very steep. And my shoes were slipping on it. And, um, and I was, I was freaking out. I was like, I need to get out of here. And it's like, I couldn't, it was. I just remember. I had a moment. Well, you had like a really big moment, I think halfway. Probably the biggest one you've ever seen. I don't think I've ever had a claustrophobic moment before. I didn't realize. No, I I, I didn't even know you were claustrophobic. I thought you would be fine. I didn't really think I had claustrophobia until that time either. That's like the first time it's ever really been pushed on me. Yeah. I definitely knew I didn't just because I have gone caving before. And I've been in areas where I was like on my stomach trying to get through little surfaces or little areas to get to the other side of of the cave. Granted, these were all scouted areas, so I was never worried. And I was even less worried in the catacombs because I'm like, all these people that we had to wait in line for two hours are not dead down there. (laughs) So we're going to be fine. They're hopefully ahead of us. Yeah. uh, So I, I, in my head, as long as I know that there's a way and people know what they're doing, I'm never going to be really scared. But yeah, I, it was a learning experience for you and me. I think... (laughs) I know how to deal with your claustrophobia a little better this time instead of me being like, Jays, I'm not going to be down here any longer. Let's go. And you're like, I think your up. exact words are, I'm going to leave you if you, <laughs> don't, if you don't hurry I up. couldn't leave you because you were in front of me. I couldn't get around you. But you were literally like, Chase, I'm going to leave you down here. <laughs> we were, we probably stopped like 10 times going up the stairs because you were, you were just freaking out. And I'm like, I, there's no way this is going to make you feel better if we don't keep moving huh? anyway good times good times i recommend it so that's that's <laughs> the official quote tour unquote that's the official um, tour yeah uh so tell me about the unofficial tour yeah the the black market tour is the so down low so yeah i i'm actually going to tell you some stories first and oh, then we'll uh perfect which i'll then implement uh what the experience would have been like um so the creepy encounters in the catacombs. In 1990, there was a group of catacomb explorers that found a camera on the ground during one of their explorations. Ooh. See, that's ominous as hell when you think about it. Like, so wait, what, what, what year again? Remind me what year? It this was, was in 1990. All right. So was this like a 1920s camera the kind of like <laughs> no. unfold and everything and you're just like ooh, this is it a was serious. a 1990s camera okay, style so like, like yeah it's just like a crappy little kodak plastic piece of junk no it was like a bigger recording it was no not oh i'm sorry i should i should specify not like it was a it was a camcorder like it was a recording oh so this is for video it was a video oh, camera that makes it even more scandalous in my head i'm like cameras it's a camera like a yeah um so it would have been a a more heftier device versus in your Kodak picture. Yeah, this would have been a giant, like it had like a VHS <laughs> or some beta tape in it or something. Exactly, and it was exactly that. Anyway, they take it with them because they're like, hey, free camera, I suppose. But what they find when they go up there is that, one, the camera still works. Oh, nice. And two, free camera. There's film in it. Ooh. Is there a ghost in it too? Yeah. It's a haunted <laughs> camera. Haunted camera. <laughs> The so the footage 
is the entirety of it is in a point of view shot. So like a first person shooter kind sure. of thing. In the beginning of the video, it appears that the person is just casually walking and exploring just normal stuff that you would be doing if you wanted to record your explorations. Sure. He also, um, at some point in the clips, because I watched this video myself, not the whole thing, because the whole thing is like an hour long, apparently. <laughs> Ain't got enough time for that. <laughs> no, they, nobody will post it, is a thing. Oh, it's not out. <laughs> You're like, I would watch every I second. I would literally watch every second of that. I would have been like, can't watch it on YouTube. Every three minutes would be an ad. It would yeah. be like the worst scary footage I would still ever. do it, though, if that was the only way they'd give it to me. Um, anyway, so yeah, at some point he picks up a skull, which really grosses me out, in the video. He continues to... Now, this is from the YouTube video that I was watching from the guy that found the camera. He was part of the crew. He says that the video of him walking around and exploring was about 40 minutes long. They don't show us that. They just kind of cut to the next scene, which is him kind of all of a sudden picking up the pace. His breathing becomes a little uh, faster, and eventually he just straight up goes into full panic mode. He starts running and occasionally stops to decide which direction he's going to go next. So this is a good indicator that he is obviously lost at this point. Um, also, uh, when he stops to figure out where he's going, he starts noticing that there's arrows pointing into directions. So like graffiti, kind of like someone... Oh, okay. I was like, wait, wait. No. Arrows? <laughs> there's some guy holding a sign. Thor's haunted cave ever like, exit here. Yeah, there's a big neon exit sign. <laughs> No, no, no. So, like, graffiti, just arrow signs. Gotcha, and he gotcha. starts following those arrows. Which, of course, no one can really know for sure if it's just some asshole. He's like, oh, this is, like, the worst way to go. There's I'm always someone to ruin There's everything. There's just someone always to ruin it. No one's really helping each other out. The, like, the Nelson from... Isn't Nelson the name of the bully from Simpsons? Just ruining everything? Oh, yeah. I think that is the yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> that guy. Uh, so, yeah, so he starts following them, probably out of desperation is my guess. And so, but we don't see what he's running from in the camera. He never looks at anything. Running from, panicking, no. So we, you're not hearing anything, you're not seeing anything, but he's definitely, maybe he's having a me moment. Maybe he's having a chase moment. I don't know, but he was like 40 minutes down there before without panicking. I was down there for at least... 15 minutes before I started panicking. 15 minutes. And you wouldn't have gone into an unofficial tunnel. Everyone has their limit. Yeah, perhaps. Mine's apparently just pathetic. <laughs> and I love that we're bringing this up and broadcasting this to the world. I, it's, I it's, didn't bring it's it up. It's one you, of my greatest prides and joy. You just brought it up. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he's following these arrows, not really knowing what or where this is going to lead them, if they have someone just trolling him. And he's going deeper into the tunnels, which is probably what's happening. Um, well, no one really knows for sure, one, why he started panicking all of a sudden. A lot of people are speculating that perhaps it's something that he heard down there, something that might have spooked him. Well, it wasn't picked up on the video. Particularly, um, well, I don't know. Since we haven't been able to see the whole video, when I say we, I mean But you'd me. think if they picked someone, that would be like the piece everyone was putting online. Well, see, the thing is, is that a lot of people who've said that they've seen more of the video, just articles that I've read, again, this is online, you never know, but they said that there's there are some other noises that are going on that they can't quite identify. A likely story. So they don't know, and the thing is, is that either way, it's terrifying to 
feel like maybe there is something there down with down there with you maybe he did hear something it doesn't have to necessarily be real it could have been a rat for all you know sure and he completely freaked out which is totally understandable especially if he's not a professional or someone that's been there before and he just decided to go down there and do his own thing i don't know all right so when you said they found his camera i just my brain just picked it up in this very like it was a plant like like it was planted there meaning like they just walk in and just set very nicely and perfectly upright in the middle of the floor is his camera. But now I'm anticipating it was like thrown against the wall, barely working because like it looked well, like there was no. panic. Well, or... no. So if I um, recall, let me just read my notes real quick. Um, yeah. So he finally ends up dropping the camera, which you don't really see why. You don't even see him still. But the camera falls under the ground into an, kind of like a puddle. Okay. And kind of out of frame, you see water splashing like he's still running away. So it's in action. Like he drops the camera as he's still running away. And then the camera completely, um, or not completely, it still rolls the entire time until it runs out of battery. Interesting. Yeah, so you see nothing for a long time. And it's just down there. And when they found it, they're like, yeah, that's that's basically the I area. I kind of see this video. Where, yeah. I want to see just the dropping part. That looks like it'd be... Like, I'm anticipating something that's, like, perfectly framed, like, like in Wreck or in Blair Witch, where they knew exactly how to make it scary, but I bet it's, like, not going to be that scary the way it's It's presented. not... Like, if you don't have any context, you're like, wow, that's... Why did you drop your camera like that on, on the ground in the dark? Yeah, it's, like, the worst found footage movie ever. Yeah, it's actually kind of creepy, at least the way they edit it for the public, because it wasn't the whole thing, obviously. I gotta check it out. I'm excited. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the... The people that found this camera, they became incredibly intrigued, which I cannot imagine why, especially if you've already been down there and you found the camera, you're just going to be like, I got to go down there again and see if I find any more evidence of this person. So they go down there and they first uh, build a team that would be more uh, equipped to maybe lead them into deeper into the tunnels because it's where they're suspecting it was. Um, they can now finally retrace their steps sure. based on the graffiti that's on the walls, everything like that. Just yeah. other landmarks that they could find. And? And they couldn't find anything. <laughs> well, but technically they, well, I guess since the catacombs, I was like, well, they probably had to fall it anyway. So, cause that's where they found the camera, but then I realized they probably came from a different direction. So, I mean, the catacombs seem to be vast and web-like, so. Well, I think they, they could have come from They were direction. able to retrace some of the steps from what I understand. I and couldn't. Here's and and so they couldn't see. They don't know who belonged to. He didn't have a piece of tape saying property of like David blah 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 or no. something on there. So we don't know who it is. No, no one knows who this person is. That guy is. could be dead in the catacombs. Very, very likely is what they're assuming. Yes. Or it's like an art student who's just like smiling with a huge grin going like, I got him. But here's the thing though. That's an expensive camera, especially for 1990. A student? A student. Yeah. With the only the only families I knew that had... Uh, a camera like that in the early 90s they tended to either be very rich or very spend happy family so you're right that's that's a big that's a thing hell of a to prank, leave behind and especially for someone who wouldn't take credit for it and that's fair that's actually probably the best argument against this being a prank yeah. whether or not he actually saw something's irrelevant but it sounds pretty likely that the person who left it was actually scared the only person i feel like who might have done this as a hoax would have been the person to have quote unquote discovered it Oh, yeah, because then he gets to keep the, the camera. said camera. Yeah. Okay, that's a smart... Yeah, look, look at you working around that logic. I like it. All that SVU that I watch. All the SVU. 
<laughs> I have a uh, I have some experience as detective work. Oh yeah, you're <laughs> regular detective here. Instead of pedophiles, they're cataphiles, okay? <laughs> Step aside, officer. I watch SVU. <laughs> I can fix this right Sir, now. Sir, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I just know. just bring me Stabler to help out. <laughs> oh yeah, bring him along. <laughs> Need me my stables. Hmm. <laughs> Oh my gosh, sorry, I had to t- take a drink there. Um, yeah, so again, they did go down there, and they actually spend like 12 hours, apparently. And they and they had a scout or one of the cataphiles to go down there. And I remember the clip that showed, this was back in 1990, where they were um, doing a mini documentary or some another um, video about the video. And they they got the best person for the job apparently he was like very well known which again really 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 reminds me of as above so below yeah and it was like it just felt so like i don't know well maybe maybe there that was an influence to the the movie we boom it was oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'm already ahead of you i was just setting you up for the kill yeah. boom i'm trying to lead you to it that's the that's the thing <laughs> So yeah, it actually is an influence of it. A lot of pieces or a lot of uh, parts of the film and also the finding of this recorder, it just really reminds me a lot of just kind of this mystery and and, and going down there and and getting a crew that's willing to go with you. I don't know. It's really cool to finally see a source of inspiration. Let's see. Other strange encounters that are down there. Uh, There are voices that can be heard at a distance, often causing people to feel like they're being lured. You mean like, like sirens, like that kind of thing? Kind of, I think. But really what the legend, as it goes, is that they say that the catacombs, especially after midnight, you begin to hear voices coming from the walls. It's believed that these voices are trying to lure you deeper into the tunnels until you are lost and stay with them forever. It's like literally coming from the walls. I mean, like down the ways, like it couldn't be just another but from rogue the walls, cataphile all over group. The place. It's, it's literally like coming from the walls. The walls either by you, but like mm. leading you into. So you're just kind of hearing things that make you feel like is someone down there or just because you mean, can also we, get a little crazy down there. I mean, if we were going to believe the idea that dead people's souls could stay behind in certain situations and haunt something, if we accept that as a possible idea, I mean statistically where you have over six million people buried is your best chance of running into that instead of like a random house of all and and not just six million but assuming that's a really good estimate um yeah sure then pile on all the people that have gotten lost there since then so it would have been an even more ominous uh very concentrated very specific area that they died in do you know what i mean like you know how sometimes uh, i've talked about how other ghosts they'll be they hang around where it is where they died yeah, especially if it's traumatic yeah. right instead of like oh i just transported this body over here probably not what it's haunting or maybe it is maybe it's attached oh, yeah, to you're saying like the ghost might be back where either where the body originally was or where it died and so it's more likely that the ghosts here if these are ghosts would have yeah. been from the more recently deceased people involved in the catacombs very possibly yeah perhaps camcorder guy he's depends just on how you look at there. it yeah, camcorder guy. He's still uh, running around following uh, false arrows in the walls. I mean, can you imagine how walls? awful that would be if he died down there that he is forever known as camcorder guy because no one knows who he is? Well, to be fair, in like, what was that, 1990? 
in 30 years, I won't be remembered as anyone, probably. So. <laughs> hey, you could be camcorder. I won't be camcorder girl. You, you could be camcorder girl. Ah, uh, yes. Let's get you a camera so you have an identity. Except I'm going to make it a Kodak one, <laughs> like you said. Still images, but it's it has still, to be disposable. Disposable, and then I'll leave it there ominously. <laughs> They said disposable. I was done taking pictures. I'm just going to leave it here. That was actually Aaron in the office. Yeah. Do you remember? Exactly. She, after she, uh, she just threw the camera away. It's like, I, I think they're fun. It's just the weird thing is you don't get to keep the pictures. Um, anyway. Uh, the Okay. So speaking of which, there is the ghost of Philibert. Ooh, his last name. Espert. That's my best French interpretation. Give me a second to see this name. Okay. I got to see go. this name. It's like the last. Philibert. Philibert. Esper. Maybe it's Esper. Esper? I couldn't pronounce French if I tried. Like, it's, they've got some very delicate sounds. Well, turns out I can't, because I got a D in it in, golf, in high school. <laughs> well, they have a lot of very delicate sounds that I just, I'm not good at making with my mouth right yeah, now. But yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. I, Philibert. Well, Philibert, maybe? It's Philip and Bert. <laughs> Two names. Hey, what do you want to name our son? Philip. I want to name Bert. How about both? <laughs> well, Philibert Jim Bob. It's like Bobby Ray. And Bobby Ray. <laughs> Jean. I don't know. I don't know if any Bobby Rays out there. You're really cool. <laughs> Bobby Rays. <laughs> Is there a Bobby Ray out there? I might have made that up. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, Philibert, he used to work at the, oof, another French word, mm-hmm. Val de. Felt, help me. I'm I bust. have to see it. Okay, I, it. Okay, so here it is. I'm gonna say Val de Grace Hospital, but this is my. It's only because it's spelled that way, but it has all these um, accent symbols ooh, on it. Yeah, that could be. I think the Valdez part is accurate, but Valdez. Yeah, is that Grace or we're gonna go with Val de Grace? Even Val though de Grace. Even though we're, it's totally wrong. We're going with it. Yes. So this was a hospital. During the Revolutionary War. The French Revolutionary War, I assume. No, the American. Are you serious? No. <laughs> yes, it was the French. Because we're in Paris. Yeah, I know. I had to verify because... <laughs> he was actually a spy from the <laughs> American. Yes, yeah, so the French Revolution. Yes, it was. Right. Um, sorry, I should have clarified. The uh, Yes, the war. And he worked as a doorkeeper for the hospital. Uh, One night, while he was working, he went down into the cellar for supplies, although some people say that he went down there to get a bottle of liquor. Whatever. That's supplies to me. (laughs) Gotta keep things running. (laughs) While he's on the job, by the way. Uh, Typically, when people go down there in the cellar, they would only take a candle. Well, this is exactly what he did. (laughs) And a mug. And a mug. (laughs) Uh, But for whatever reason, this night... Philibert decided to venture deeper into the cellar, hmm. uh, into an area in which the tunnels connect. So wait, he had, like I said earlier, a building that connected to the <laughs> yep. catacombs. I was waiting. I was like, oh, only if you knew. Okay, so what happened is he went down to get some liquor. He got liquored up and just decided to keep going until all of a sudden, boom, catacombs. Until, I mean, I don't know what the cellar looks like, to be honest, so I don't know how far he had to go. Maybe it was... Back in the in the back area, and that's where he went. He's like, "Hey, look, more back area. Let's go venture there." But unless you have information to the contrary, my assumption is he went down there for a nip, 
got a bit schnockered and then just said, let's go on an adventure. Well, to answer your question, some people say he was already drunk when he went down there. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta start somewhere. So, excuse you, he was already wasted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's why you need liquor. Let's keep this going. Yeah, you gotta keep the night going. How else are you gonna make it through your shift? God, Chase. Can't find a party, make a party. (laughs) (laughs) That's just gonna be our slogan. I think that's like the third time you've said it. Best thing from Baywatch ever. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Baywatch, stop. Um, (laughs) So, again, either way, though, there really wasn't a reason to have gone deeper into that. There was nothing. There was just nothing. And he had a candlelight. What is he thinking? I don't know. Uh, you can't you can't judge this man. I he he might have been he might have been I, rocking I a solid buzz. Everyone's just like, why would he go? There's no reason to go. He was fucking drunk. That's hey. the reason. I've seen people pee off roofs while drunk. Allegedly. Allegedly. Nah, I'm buying that he's drunk. I think probably people who knew him might have said that he was. An enthusiast of alcohol. <laughs> he was a fan of grandpa's cough medicine. Yes. And so perhaps this would have been a likely scenario as to why. So anyway, that night, that was the last time anyone saw him. It wasn't until 11 years later when a group of cataphiles were exploring the tunnels that they found a body deep within. The person was eventually identified as Philibert based on the hospital key ring that he kept on his belt. So it was... It was him. Man, that's a unique form of identification. You've got like dental, you've got fingerprints, but like, no, no, we identified him because of his key ring. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, so he was, and from what I understand, pretty deep in there. So how long long of a time was it between when he went on his drunk adventure and was his body was discovered? Like how long of a period of time we're talking? Oh, it was 11 years. 11 years. Well, no wonder they couldn't do uh, uh, fingerprints. I mean, you ain't got fingerprints no, after there 11 been. years. No, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, uh, it was just assumed, especially since he would have been the only one. So he probably just got lost down there and died of starvation. Yep. And since he only had a candlelight, that would have gone off not too long after he went down there, assuming he could have kept it lit without him panicking and, you know, blowing it out somehow. Okay, that's a legitimately, that's that scares me. That's got to be one of the scariest ways to die alone. Mm-hmm. Alone in the dark? So creepy. Like, what are you going to do? You're alone in the dark. Like, it'll never be light. You can't wait for morning. No. It's always going to be dark. And assuming, and more likely, he probably already kind of lost, got lost himself a little bit there with the light. And again, if he kept it going the entire time, it's going to go out eventually. So who knows how far he went or how far he didn't go because his time is ticking, right? Like, if he gets lost and he's like, shit, I'm lost. I only have the time that this light is lit for me to find my way out. And if I don't, that's it. I'm done. So That's like one of the most horrifying things you've ever told me. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And you know what makes it worse? Because no one dies just in, like, a day. Like, he had had to die of um, dehydration, starvation, any of that stuff. Oh, he absolutely did, yeah. But that means that if he was drunk, he got lost, got scared, and then he was lost and hung over. Yeah, he had to get sober That's in the rough. worst way possible. I, I just assumed when you said these cataphiles, I just I just assumed there were so many of them constantly down there that like you wouldn't be able to go like even a few hours at night without running into another one. But 
either the catacombs are just that vast or there aren't anywhere near as many cataphiles exploring regularly as I was imagining. I don't think there's as many as you're thinking. I think it's a very specific group that, um, I don't know, they're enthusiasts. I can't. I was picturing like 300 of them. I'd say like, like more They go maybe once every couple of weeks. And if you do that, that would mean that there was always someone in a tunnel every night. Maybe. And this is also, um, but I think we're thinking of maybe like people who are more extreme, not mm. just those that are they more well-known areas. They just for a little bit on the outside and then get right back out instead of the people who I like I mean, like I deep. said, these tunnels are like 200 miles. 200 miles throughout Paris. So that's a lot of ground to cover, especially when you don't know how long you can go down before you can't come back up without light. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into it when you go into the tunnel. And also, and I'm just like in my perspective, like when I when I went into caves myself, it was one of those things that you had to think about all the time. It's not just how far can you go? It's like how far can you go? Absolutely. And come back. <laughs> you know, it's not like there's always going to be an exit sign or something. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, it is theorized that Philibert may have wandered into the tunnels, but others do believe that he was lured by voices. So if he then wasn't... Then walls talking again. Then walls are talking. Their sweet, sweet sounds have uh, <laughs> lured this drunk man into the tunnels. Yeah. So it would have been a lot easier to do. I think uh, a lot of people would say... That if you're in a vulnerable state, you're a lot, lot, lot more likely to fall into into being lured or taken advantage of in sure. a way. It just feels like everything I read or like hear about that tends to be a trend. Sure, absolutely. So he probably would have been the perfect victim if that was going to happen, and it wasn't just based on his own curiosity. Yeah, I should say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, his body is still buried in the catacombs. Wait, so did they just leave it there? Well, they I think they or exhumed. Or did they like perhaps okay. I don't know if they ever exhumed him actually to be honest, but they did but they did keep him down there. So if they did exhume his body, at some point it was brought back down and he was properly placed or buried, I should say, in the exact area that he was found. Weird. Yeah, I kind of find that a little morbid. Like, I know this whole thing is morbid, but um, I don't know. Like, if I died somewhere tragically on the side of the road, I just wouldn't want my body there. But this is already the catacombs, kind of. So, no. Can you just imagine that point in which he died as he's, like, just dying? That, like, just 30 meters above him, the whole city was just alive, bustling with oh, millions yeah. of people. Like. He was that close, but no way to get to it. Like, that's so horrifying. This is a really upsetting story. You're welcome. And I'm not just talking about his name. (laughs) That's not the tragic part. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like I said, he is buried down there still in the exact spot that he was found. And there's even a little plaque describing his death. So you'd think people he, can look at if it. If he died down there, that's a horrible way to die. That he'd be like, Can you just get my body out of here, please? It's like, nope. This is you made a choice, you're here. Speaking of which, people still believe and also claim to experience that on November third, his ghost will appear still trying to find his way out. Okay. So a little wandering. <sighs> yeah. So his unrest soul still wanders around. I, of I think, course it would be. Mine would too. And that this is sucks. what I'm saying again. It's like, who's haunting what? 
you know, these dead bodies that died somewhere else and are haunting other places or the bodies that are left down there suffering in a tragic, tragic way. If there's a, a likely scenario for a ghost to like linger or not let go, it would be in those scenarios, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Although, alternatively, many people believe that, and I say people, I mean other cataphiles, believe that Philibert is kind of a, a person that would help you. So people have experienced... Um, so he had good rapport, people say. Yeah, so like if they're, in uncertain, nice if they're in uncertain territory, they've said that they've felt some sort of guidance sometimes oh, into nice. an area. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. I mean, everyone Go likes, Philibert. Everyone likes the happy drunk. <laughs> everyone likes the happy drunk. Speaking of which, actually, I think I need another drink. I'm going to take a little pause. Well, when I say pause, I mean, you guys will just hear me continue talking after this. But you and I will take a little pause. For a I drink. will never say no to a drink. Woohoo! All right, guys, we're back. Fresh drinks in hand. And it's time to continue with yet another story from the catacombs. Hit me. All right, so here it goes. Another discovery that was officially recorded by a group of police officers in 2004. Hmm. Yes. So it's not just like some tinfoil hat theory. Like these are, these people have to like write authentic reports. And, and there was, was more. There's a real report. And by this. officers, I'm assuming that means there was more than one. There <laughs> so was that's good. It looks like there was a team of them because it was a team exercise. See, these are the best stories because you can take them with a little bit more, uh, what, truth? Validity? I don't know what the right term would yeah, be. Yeah, I guess someone who didn't They're really They're easier have, to believe. There was no reason for them. To lie. To have wanted to say this, maybe. For their credit, right? Like, I don't think they're yeah, trying I mean, to be Yeah, I mean, everyone might have a reason to lie, but I mean, there's less obvious reasons why they'd be lying. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I can see that. So yeah, like I said, there was a team exercise, and they ventured into the area, or into the tunnels, and they stumbled into an area in which there was a sign at the entrance that said, building site, no access. Thinking this is very strange, especially since this isn't a very... Um, official way of doing things they decided to venture in further so they went past the sign and said so the What's cops going on? didn't listen to the sign they didn't because it mm-hmm. wouldn't be something that would be placed in such a way I okay think. i think they would know official signs maybe maybe not maybe they're like or maybe it was i don't just, care maybe it's just a rebellious group of of cops that were on an adventure you can't stop them anything that happens in the tunnel stays in the tunnel you don't rule me you can't control this. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I have to continue that. Um, I tell you about these rebel cops. <laughs> so these rebel cops decided to say, Fuck it. You know what? I'm going to keep going. Don't tell me what to do. Construct this. Exactly. <laughs> Build this. Um, yeah, so again, when they went in there, uh, they discovered a camera was recording them. Oh, nice. Yeah. They looked up and they're like, hey, there's a few cameras up here. What's going on? Then soon after, they heard over a PA system, a pre-recording of dogs barking. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Was this... Why does this sound familiar? Did they do this? Something similar to this in As Above, So Below as well? Mm-hmm. I remember... Man, I must have seen something. I just, oh, I think I know what you're talking PA about. The PA system sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not the dogs barking, but like them finding the PA system. Well, it, no, goes, no, I can't it okay. goes on. Okay, cool, cool. As they continued to go deeper, so they were not being swayed, they also found a functioning theater, a full bar, 
chairs and tables like it was a restaurant, and working phone lines. So these motherfuckers had electricity all the way above into the city, somehow deep into the tunnels, and were able to transport all this. It's like they found like a clubhouse, no girls allowed. Apparently so. So the officers decided, okay, well, let's just uh, get whatever information we can and leave and then come back with a, a proper a team to do a proper investigation, which is exactly what they did. I know it was gone, but keep going. Three days later, they returned, but when they arrived, everything had disappeared and all the wires were cut. The only thing they found was a note on the ground. It read, do not search. But in French. <laughs> <laughs> we would pronounce it poorly. If yeah, we tried. I'm not saying it this time. Yeah. So All right. This one is. Oh, and, and this one you said uh, remind me the year. This was very recently, right? Yeah. Well, 2004. Yeah, that's pretty damn recent. Sixty. And we're talking about the thousands of years of horror. Where this we isn't discuss, like yeah the revolution. All right. So that's really cool. So this, I do. I mean, there's nothing about this that makes me think this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. However, I just want to know what happened. Like, like why? Why was this here? Do you think it was like? A group of, like, culty people who, like, this was their thing. And then when they were discovered, like, well, we got to move to another part of the... I, I feel like that's or... exactly what it was. And the camera was probably recording in real time. You know, they were... Or some sort of sensor, you know, that that, that it totally existed at that yeah, time. Yeah, so they're like, okay, we've been we've been had. Let's, let's move our... We've been discovered. And for whatever reason, they were able to do it in a way that was quick enough, efficiently enough, in the three-day span that before the cops went back down there. I don't know why it took three days. I kind of understand because maybe they weren't in a particular rush. They're like, oh, where's it going to go? Or, you know, paperwork and stuff. Bureaucracy isn't fast. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, gathering a team, getting people available for it. Because exactly. they also had like an electrician. The plan was to get someone down there and figure out how they were pirating this this electricity. Well, they also had to pick the movie they were going to watch and get the popcorn ready. I mean, there's stuff to do. There's just a lot of things to do. <laughs> Yeah. Would you watch a movie in a haunted catacomb? Yes, absolutely. Now, what would you watch? As above, so below. Or the descent. <laughs> so you'd say something like "Happy Gilmore," so that oh. I would lose my shit. <laughs> now, how do I make this experience more terrifying? Is always the goal. Let's see. I think that kind of brings me to the end of my stories that are official. I did go online and look at some videos on YouTube and stuff like that, which is just real quick, I highly recommend doing, especially especially if you just um, look up 1990s Paris Catacombs footage and you'll be able to see segments of the video and it's pretty creepy and I cannot wait to show you after this because you are going to freak out. Well, and I recommend people just look at stuff about the catacombs because it is simultaneously horrifying and beautiful some of the things they've done with these bones i've never seen anywhere else yeah and it's it's incredible it's a whole different mix of emotions and i think everyone could get something out of that yeah and i think there is a lot of videos out there i didn't look at particularly a lot of them there was one youtube video i don't know you know what the rules are but i'm going to shout out amy's crypt it's one word that's a video I saw in an, almost in its entirety. It is like an hour long, so if you're not interested, that's totally fine. But I think it really portrayed a really good uh, kind of feel of what it's like to go down there. They're, they have their equipment. They have absolutely no real gear or 
attire to wear in which that they would be very fully prepared. So if you were just going to go down there, you're, you would have more or less an experience like she did. And so it's just very interesting to see just someone regular, like a normal person, just go down there and try to figure it out for the first time because it's, it's not, it's not easy. The tunnels are very, very scary, very real. And I do not recommend doing this unless you have someone guiding you. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you find the catacombs scary? We were both there, but I don't know if you ever told me if you actually thought they were scared. Like, do you think they might be haunted? I think, I do think they could be haunted. I think that there is definitely some unrested souls down there that might be wandering about. One particular, I guess maybe Philibert, something like that. Maybe not him specifically. That story's so sad. But something like that. Because, I mean, there have been kids that have been down there. And I say kids, like teenagers and stuff, that have gotten lost. I think there was actually a news article that I remember uh, reading in during my research that uh, they were stuck down there for like three days, completely lost, and they were eventually found by um, you know f- police and their the search dogs. They had search dogs, and that's the only way they, the reason they were found. Otherwise, they would have been stuck down there the entire time. Now I don't know if I think it's haunted, but I will say it's probably the most terrifying place I've ever been. Um, there's so much about it that's terrifying that can be terrifying without the prospect of it right. even being haunted. Um, I think you made kind of a good point where it's kind of like a lot of ghosts, at least we see them as being existent from some sort of traumatic incident, and that's kind of where they hang out. It's not necessarily where their bodies are. And in that respect, that would mean the catacombs was just a lot of just that. Yeah. Moved bodies. And so, you know, very few people except for Philibert, poor Philibert, um, oh, no, there's been plenty more. No, 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 I, I know, but I mean, compared to the 6 million, I think the oh, percentage sure. of people who actually died and died in a horrific way in the catacombs is less than a tenth of a percent. Right. And that's even thinking a much larger number. So, very terrifying. I don't know if I think it's haunted. However, I'm going to be fully honest with you. If someone said, hey, Chase, would you like to go on a cataphile tour with experts it will be completely free. I would absolutely fucking not do it. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow, you are so not. No, I wouldn't do it, but I think you would. I would absolutely do it. And I would let you do it while I ate nachos. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll eat nachos later, but I'm doing this. <laughs> I will say, uh, like in the video that I was talking about earlier that I did watch um, just because it was so interesting just to see someone go through this. I mean, there are bones still everywhere. But there was a part where she had to, just like in the movie, which I thought was crawl really funny. Crawl over bones. Crawl over bones on <laughs> her stomach <laughs> and her arms, like shifting her body, like shimming it through into this very, very small space to get across because this is, uh, that's just the way it was to get to where they were wanting to go. So yeah. Yeah, really that would be a no for me. And that's just like <laughs> one of the many parts that they had to crawl through. So it was just. That's really good. Oh, and then there was a scene, you know, in the video, in, in the YouTube video where they had to go through and it was... <laughs> Again, it was very much like As Above, So Below because they actually did record or did film down there um, where they were kind of straddling the sides of the tunnel so that one leg was on one wall with a little ledge and then their other leg was on the other side of the wall with their, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and then in the middle there was just running water. Yep, there was a scene just like that in the movie. Yeah, it was like that. And I don't know that. And that is actually... A lot like Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. When it, was, it wasn't it was water, that was petroleum in the movie, or some sort of 
flammable Well, oil. it wasn't that deep. You couldn't swim in it. Yeah, there. yeah, but they, for a while, were walking outside, but there were yeah. so many rats, and then they decided just to get up in there. Yeah, so. yeah. No, no, no. It was nothing like that. It was just because they were avoiding the muddiness and sure. the, the gross still water that was down there. Yeah, it was really gross. So you would, go, would you even pay to go on one of these tours? Um, nah, I probably wouldn't pay. If someone, like, if we had a really good friend who was like, oh, I'm best friends with a cat file. Why didn't you mention it? And I'd be like, I don't know. Oh, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just trying to plan your next birthday. Oh, see, thanks. <laughs> see, if, see if I'm like, hey, someone. Hey, really you want to take me to Paris? I'm not going to say no. No, I was like, uh, she wants to go on this tour. I'm just going to sit at the door <laughs> playing. Uh, you would actually just be sitting at a sidewalk. Playing my train waiting. game on my phone, <laughs> waiting for you to come out. I would have to, I would have to go to Goodwill and buy like, cheap ass clothes and like windbreakers and stuff like that because i am not bringing that home with me yeah and your clothes gonna, is gonna get so nasty after you've been crawling over them bones after i crawl over them over them bones yep all right well you might be done telling a story but now it's time for you to hear a story Ooh, because it's time for another end of episode encounter 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 <laughs> encounter I'm sure we could do that with effects, but it's funnier when I do it. I'm not going to add those effects. I'm keeping that. All right. So for those of you that might have caught the last time I did this, my end of episode encounters tend to have a focus on alien, UFO, supernatural stuff as opposed to ghosts and whatnot, just because I think it's worth covering because the stories are just that cool. And for this one, we're actually going to go back to one of the earliest, uh, earliest incidences where we actually have photographs. Which is really so so oh my this God. You're this gonna show me pictures? Yeah, so no. this is this is known uh, uh people who know a lot about uh, uh UFO encounters and they have definitely heard of this. Um, but if you're like me, uh, this was totally new. It was the Bonilla observation, but uh, for people who know habla espanol, might pronounce it the Bonilla observation. Sure. So, a guy named Jose Bonilla was an astronomer studying sunspot activity at an ob- observatory in Zacatecas. Woo-hoo! Oh my God, that's Me- where yeah. my mom is from. Yeah, that's what I thought. This made yeah. this made it like the perfect story. Cool. So that's in Mexico. For those of you who don't know, um, while he was observing, and he observed. Over a two-day period, August 12th to 13th, 1883. Okay. And his observation periods that he was looking at spanned about three and a half hours over those two days. I mean, um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever gone to look out stars. You don't just, like, sit there for six hours looking through a tub. You can't do it. So, but this is about his observations during those times. He observed weird phenomena during this. So, he allegedly saw... So the the biggest thing that I want to preface is this story has been covered by a bunch of different people. And when I'm collating the facts, sometimes numbers have ranged and changed. So I'm trying to get what seem to be the most consistent numbers, but may not be super accurate. But they all seem to be within the ballpark. So take these as ballpark numbers as opposed to being super accurate. So he allegedly saw. So while he so he has a telescope pointed at the sun and i don't know what kind of safety features he had so that he could look at the sun just like when we're looking at eclipses we have those special glasses and the foils the filters things yeah yeah so i don't know what he was doing the time and i couldn't find anything about that i was really curious to see what he was able to use but anyway while he was looking at the sun he allegedly saw around 450 
dark, unidentified objects crossing <gasps> in front of the sun. 450. Now, some of the earliest the some of the early supports were like as low as like 150, but when you started seeing his math in his actual paper that he published, well, he's an actual scientist, right? So he's not. He, like he was an astronomer. An I don't astronomer? know what oh, okay. his I don't know what his credentials were, but we'll get was more he... towards where his credentials. Oh, like, okay, we'll, we'll okay, talk okay. about that in just a second. So anyway, he claims these objects were misty looking and grouped in formations in the numbers of either like 15 or 20. But more importantly, these objects were appearing in regular, predictable intervals. Hmm. Now, he immediately contacted observatories in both Mexico City to the south and Puebla, which I can't, I, in my mind, I can't picture that. As well. yeah. yeah, but I can't remember what direction from Zacatecas. Is that east? I, I don't remember where Puebla is. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but even after he contacted them, they looked through the telescopes. They could not see this phenomenon. Which is a weird thing. It makes you wonder, okay, so maybe this guy's crazy. But thankfully, he took photos. Woohoo! Good for him. He took several what's called wet plate photographs. It's a very specific type, unfortunately, not super high resolution or anything like that. And his exposure time was one one hundredth of the second. So these are well, these are pretty decent photos. Yeah. These aren't like super long exposures or anything like this. He didn't take many photos, but he has some. He then published his findings. So this at least gives some credit to his experience because, you know, he's not just some random stranger making claims. Sure. He published his findings and they, they were titled, um, it's in French, which is funny, mm. uh, because it was published in a French astronomy journal, oh, okay. which was L'Astronomie. Uh, I pronounced that terribly. Um uh, he published it in the January 1886 edition of L'Astronomy, and his uh, findings were titled Passage sur le Disque Solare. Anyone who speaks French, I'm so sorry. That was embarrassingly bad, even as I said it. <laughs> um, however, all of his findings were mostly debunked by even, not, not, not debunked, but they were cast aside by the editor who claimed they were either birds, insects, or even dust that caused the aberration. Okay. Now, there's some, we should think about this. There's some credit to thinking there could be something weird about this because he did contact two other yeah. observatories. They didn't see it. And there were plenty of observatories in the late 1800s and no one else reported this. So what's going on here? Um, however, even to this day, we don't know what these photographs are, are of. So that means these are unidentified objects in a photograph, making them arguably one of if not the first photographs of unidentified objects however oh well not not however but that means that ever since this happened but particularly after the roswell incident when people started getting really excited and interested in ufo stuff so the last half of the 20th century this report was regularly brought up as being possibly the first photographs of ufos UFO fanatics are obsessed with this story. Yeah, it's a good yeah. story. And it really is because we have a photo and we don't know what it is. And there's a lot of weird things going on. Like other people couldn't pick it up, but there's a photo. And why would he want to, to do this? And even he even claimed he had no idea what they were. He wasn't making assumptions. He wasn't trying to put his his career at risk or anything like this. Like So he never in himself, he never said, oh, I have evidence of aliens or nothing like uh, that. From everything I read, there was no indication that he said that these were aliens, okay. but that he didn't know what it was. 
he was just making an observation, like a yeah. way. A, I wanted to read the article, study, yeah. but it's it's literally in French. You can find it on Google Books, and I highly recommend if you can speak French, go for it. They got the photos and everything on it. It's really well, cool. I can translate it. I took it uh, for a half semester in high school. Well, maybe we should take a look at it. It's it's uh, it's not that long of an article. I think it's only a couple kidding. pages. Uh, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Anyway, where this gets interesting. So 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 before I go on on this, I want to talk about this being UFOs. So one of the reasons I like the idea of this being a fun UFO incident, and whether or not it is is relevant, but I mean, like, why this is exciting to me is, for the most part, before, I ever since Roswell, everyone has been able to claim this is UFOs, this is UFOs, it's a way to get publicity, it's a way to get attention, it's a way to get money. But before Roswell, these kinds of claims get really, really sparse. There are UFO claims before the Roswell incident, but there aren't that many. And even when you get back into the 1800s, it drops even fewer. And yes, you'll have reports of weird stuff that happened in like ancient Egypt or or these ancient times. But I mean, having like documented, discussed incidences of unknown phenomena, it's pretty rare. And that makes it pretty exciting because... Unless these people were super smart in, ter- in determining what the social world was going to be in the future, if they saw something like this and they made a claim, there's it's hard to say why they would make a make this up. It, it just means there isn't that- a yeah, there isn't a reason for them to put their career at risk, especially if they're um, yeah, like like you said, there's no f- uh, claim to fame. Yeah, and it. Especially if we're talking like the 1800s when um, the scientific methods and everything were just starting to be taken very seriously and everything. Back then, so many things that people observed were unexplainable, but then over time we were able to explain it. So that's kind of the method of science. So this could have just been one of those, except they didn't have any other evidence to be able to find a way to explain one, No one was claiming anything. They were just saying... We're still studying the exactly. universe here, and let's figure out what this is. Not necessarily, I got them. They're aliens. Exactly. You know? So let's let's talk about what he said earlier when he saw them, like around 450 objects, and he observed this over two days. Right. Two days, not a single one. And he saw them in group was formations. He always, uh, just real quick, was he always observing them at a specific time frame, or was he? Or was it just like a rat? Like whenever. I was looking for those exact pieces of information, could not find it, and I think they might have been in French. <laughs> Damn it. But anyway, so, but they're also grouped in numbers around 15 or 20, and they were appearing in regular formations. So let's talk about what the editor said. Birds, insects, or dust? Well, dust seems unlikely, because even though dust might equate for 450, sure. for them to be grouped like that or in intervals doesn't make sense with dust. Mm-hmm. Insects as well. Especially if there's a pattern. Yeah, insects also doesn't make a lot of sense to me either, unless we're talking like swarms of locusts, which was not an issue at the time. Right. Birds make sense in terms of formation and regularity, but as far as I could tell, there was no known bird migrations in the area. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking August. That's not. I don't think that's a big migratory. I don't know. But I, 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 I don't want to talk out of my butt. I don't. I know I'm not um, an ornithologist. I don't know about bird migratory patterns, so we'll ignore whether or not that was happening. Anyway, so it was a pretty exciting thing, but all these years since, over 100 years since, you know, no new information, no new nothing until 2011. Now, 2011 is when it gets exciting. When a paper by Hector Mantarola, Maria Lara, and Guadalupe Cordero of the National Autonomous University of Mexico 
came up with a different theory as to what this was mm-hmm. because they accepted that his photographs were credible and mm-hmm. what he saw was probably credible mm-hmm. that he wasn't making a mistake in his observation there was no flaw with the machinery or the optics or anything like this so this paper that was published has been discussed in a lot of things and i sourced them including like the mit technology review and other things so this is a mishmash of information that i found from all these sources they claim that the unidentified objects and this is where it gets scarier to me less oh, supernatural God, but scarier They claim that the unidentified objects may have been fragments of a massive comet that had just recently broken up. Now, why didn't anyone else see this if it was a massive comet? Yeah, yeah. Well, if we bring math into this, if they passed to the Earth closer than 65,000 kilometers, it would be explained because only viewpoints along a certain latitude would be able to see it if it was that close to the Earth. Yeah. Bonilla was lucky enough to be one of the few in the zone. It's, it's, it's a concept called parallax, where if they're, if it's just close enough, their viewpoints won't be able to see it if it's just passing by a very specific area. But it has to be close enough. If it was farther away, you wouldn't be able to see it. He was looking directly at the sun. He had a point of reference. So he had a very specific line of sight mm-hmm. that he was looking. Yeah. So that this, this is making that assumption because if, if they, they deduced that if it was closer than 65,000 kilometers, it wouldn't have been seen as far south as Mexico City. They also were able to make the assumption in the paper based on what he was seeing that they actually passed between 600 to only 8,000 kilometers of Earth. (gasps) That's ridiculously close. And the fragments were likely between 50 and 1,000 meters across, with the parent comet weighing at over a billion tons. Now, I don't know if that's metric tons. I hope that this is metric because it keeps it consistent. If it's imperial tons, I apologize. Now, that's huge. I mean, that's that's big. We're talking like getting closer to Halley's Comet or Halley's Comet, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And based on his observations of his 450 objects he saw, but because he was only seeing them for certain periods of time and intervals, they were able to calculate that there would have been at least 3,275 of these objects. Now, why this is important is these objects would have been big enough that... so, So real quick... Any of you viewers who don't know about it, there was an event um, about, what would have been, 25, 30 years later in Russia called the (gasps) Tunguska event. Yes. Oh, my God. I have a story. Don't say too much about that. So that's something to talk about in the future. But that was where, you know, at this moment, as far as we can tell, a meteor or comet chunk hit the Earth. And it was a huge explosion. It was massive. Well, anyway... All of these objects that were viewed were, by this paper, estimated to be as large as this. Wow. Meaning 3,275 objects that could cause an impact this big. So if you imagine that these impacts would be occurring over two days, well, it was, according to the paper, quote, probably an extinction event if it had hit the earth. Oh, I guarantee it. Meaning like if this if this is true, if it was bits of a comet that had been destroyed and passed this close to earth, I mean this is a hair's breadth away from hitting us. Like we lucked out. And who knows, maybe I I, I don't know enough about the uh, orbital periods of anything and, and we don't know what this would have been if it was a bit of a comet. Maybe the bit that hit the Tunguska 
uh, if I'm even pronouncing right, area, it was it like 198, 1970, it was right was around very, that time? Yeah, it was. It was um, very, the most recent, Yeah, I what say. if that was a piece of this after it had orbited the sun you one, two so more crazy? times? You know what's so crazy? That is interesting because I have heard other reports saying that this isn't the only occurrence and that or not only currents, but the only evidence of it. And I didn't realize that I was that it was referring to this scenario. That is so cool. Well, the thing that's important to note is this paper really focused on the math. Sure. They were trying to say, this is what he saw. And if we take what, what numbers and specific facts that he had and we apply it, this is what makes the most sense. Yeah. And it's very interesting, especially because he described the objects as being misty looking and comet fragments tend to be yeah. misty looking because they've got the ice breaking off around them and, and whatnot. So this is just this is just posed by the paper. I mean, obviously, they can't prove whether or not this is true. We don't know what comet it would have come off of. I mean, or... you can't, assuming, ask the guy. So now, at the moment, know? we we have no known existing comet that would have left this behind if the comet that that would suggest that the comet was still whole and hadn't completely broken up. All right, so so I guess um, what you're telling me here is that it's aliens. <laughs> now this is where it gets exciting. So I actually really like this theory. I'm I love I love science-minded explanations, and I think that's probably the likely scenario. However, it is important that we go into the criticisms of these theories, both intelligent and tinfoil hat realmed. Um, Everyone should have a voice here. So a guy named John Voicey wrote in an article for Universe Today, uh, he wrote an article that kind of criticized this theory. He didn't say it was wrong, but he had some concerns about it. What was his credentials? Did you mention? I, I could not find his credentials. but It was a decently written article. It wasn't crazy. He, he acknowledged a lot of it, but he said, if it were a fragmented comet that passed so close to the Earth it would have likely resulted in a meteor shower. We have lots of meteor showers. Yeah, of course. Yet none were observed, according to him, uh, according to the research he did from that time. And this also happened right around the time where the Perseid meteor shower would occur. Yet he said that there was no information about that meteor shower suggesting that it was larger or more obvious or more plentiful, like there was more objects Especially someone that, something that would have been so close to... Yeah, uh, he's like, he's like you, you would have noticed maybe a difference in the shower if there was more objects or, yeah. or anything like this. And nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing. That's fair. Um, so um, <clears throat> he was essentially... His, his main criticism, he wasn't saying it, that this is what it was, but he was like, you would expect some sort of meteor shower or some sort of effect, and there was nothing reported. Okay. So what and this wasn't addressed in the paper so how do we deal with this that's just a real criticism so now i'm going to move on to other criticisms and distance myself from this guy because um uh, his criticism was very factual like let's talk about this these other ones are a little bit uh crazier (laughs) um step into my realm so one of them uh, is obsessed uh, with the idea that the formations described by bonia suggested structured formations in regular intervals which should not be expected if it was comet debris okay to be fair i was thinking that and i hate to associate myself but like is that a no, thing no it's a smart I idea know. no no I no, no, no that's a smart question but the majority of ufologists say it's because it was formations of flying saucers okay oh observing so they, the earth that so there was said, no 
Yeah, this wasn't a comet. Yeah. This was formations of UFOs that uh, it might not have been 3,000. It could have been that. And their misty-eyed appearances could have very much been something about whatever crazy technology is occurring Obviously, with these Obviously, they're very precious, uh, rare metal that those yeah. spaceships are made out of. And now, this is the one that I think is my favorite theory out of entertainment value because it actually would be a stellar movie plot. Hold on. Let me guess. Um... Nope, I got nothing. No, this is this is a good one. I mean, this actually would be a good movie plot. It suggested that they were in fact comet chunks. That that is not inaccurate, and that they did pass shockingly close to the Earth. A super dangerous thing, explaining why no one else could see it because it was such a specific area. Um, the parallax made it impossible for other thing other other people to see it, and that the misty quality of it would absolutely uh, be that it was a comet. But that it was a comet that was heading towards the Earth. And, and that, we were protected by the aliens. And that extraterrestrials <laughs> destroyed it to save us because at this time in the 1800s, our low levels of technology would have made us vulnerable and they wanted to see where we were going. And we proved them right by having two giant world wars not too long after this. <laughs> nice. They were like, wow, maybe we're at their entertainment. They're like, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah. So I think this is a pretty exciting thing. I like the alien theories because I think they would make some rock hard entertainment. What if we're being broadcast as like trashy reality TV <laughs> and we're just like the Jersey Shore of the universe? I think we're more like nature where they talk about like our mating rituals and whatnot. They're like, oh, those, those cute little humans in their sex. We're actually just like a stop by for a zoo visit. Wait, here, I want you to see these pictures. Okay. Once again, they're wet plate. They're not the highest. Sure. And in fact, they printed very well. But the arrows oh, yeah. are pointing at just one of the objects passing. So you don't see like 450 objects. I definitely see like misty, but maybe it's just because the way it printed, yeah. but they look like they're... Swatchy. Like in a X pattern kind and, of. And I maybe. also make the assumption, because if you look at these pictures online, and I recommend it, there's you can only find like two different ones. Yeah. Um, you really only see one weird looking object in front of it. And my assumption is because of the, the optics and the chemicals they used to capture in the wet plate photography all all this stuff was working against him that maybe a lot of these things he was observing going in front of the sun were so small or so uh in nondescript that they wouldn't show up in in these kinds of photographs except for yeah. something really particularly wild i don't know this is really interesting but i thought it was i uh, would say of like the other time that you told the story in this one this is like the least scary alien ish uh, but it's also horrifying the but idea I that it was a comet. More terrified and more like again, I've always been aware, but reminded, I should say, of our vulnerability to the universe because we are just a little tiny little thing that things are constantly flying by. Good times. Yeah, so we should respect that by getting drunk. Yes, let's give <laughs> those aliens a really good show tonight. Yeah, because they are watching and protecting us for this very reason. <laughs> you sure you want to protect these guns? What? <laughs> what? They're like, oh, Chase. But that was our end of episode encounter. Counter, counter, counter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was trying not to laugh during your encounters. This is totally serious. So if you could just like shape up and pay attention. Like get it together. <laughs> okay, so this brings us to the end of our encounters one being comets or aliens however you want to look at it and the other one being very french 
Very French. French encounters. French encounters. Of the baguette kind. <laughs> I'd rather have that kind of counter <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Sounded so dirty. <laughs> I'd rather have that kind of encounter in my mouth. Yeah, I don't want the other end encounter <laughs> from aliens. Thank you very much. But thank you for listening. If anyone is still out there <laughs> yeah, in space or wherever, I really appreciate you hanging out with us. Actually, I should mention that we are finally streaming on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. And um, I can't think of another platform that I think that right now, but I'm pretty sure we're All out the there. places the nine out of 10 dentists would listen to podcasts. Yes, we nine, have of, them nine, there. Of nine out of 10 dentists would absolutely approve us. And we have also tried to start up a social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, so it's a little baby right now, but we're getting it going to start posting episode reminders and everything like that. So post pictures of some of the stuff that we're talking about. So uh, Ooh, yeah. feel feel free to look at us. Uh, Maybe links to like videos that we find that are interesting in relation. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. So feel These free are ideas to. ideas that are now flowing in my head. You should check out those just in case we have anything good. At the very least, there'll be episode reminders, which is you know, the important part. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so, we'll catch you for episode four. And maybe we can scare you that time. Bye. Take it easy. <laughs>